Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. On today's show, we're going to explain allocation money and a little bit of Austin FC news, but spoiler alert, we're going to spend quite a bit of time on allocation money. So bear with us. It's a complicated thing, but we're hoping we can make it uh, engaging and interesting for you. So my name is Landon Cottom. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And as anybody who's listened knows, this is the show that I've been most excited about uh, all throughout time <laughs> is explaining Tam and Gam. Read a lot of articles about it and uh, happy to share what we've learned so far. Uh, I think we all had a wild week last week, and it's crazy to think that it's 80 degrees now this week. And I, I think what I would like to know is, like, is there one lesson you learned out of this ice storm that you will carry with you forward? Yeah, I I think one thing that I learned, and it was um, actually I learned a lot of things, but I think the most interesting one that I learned is uh, how to take a bucket bath, and this one actually uh, I learned from my wife, which I've been married to her for almost three years. We've been together for six years or something like that. You would think I would have learned everything, like we would have learned everything we could have from each other at this point, but uh, she did Peace Corps in West Africa. And had this skill that I didn't know about, which was how to take a complete bath using like half of a bucket of water. And so uh, she ended up like writing up instructions and sending it out to our neighborhood Facebook group and like sharing it with friends and stuff. But it actually it, it did pretty good. It, it made me not stink for a couple of days, which was That's very good. welcome. What about straight you, Jeremiah? What did you learn? Straight from Cam- Cameroon, right? Cameroon, Is that where it was? Yeah, she, yeah, straight she was from in Cam- Cameroon. To Southwest Austin. Yeah, so she she lived without without uh, power and water for the whole time she was there, but she like went into it expecting that, right? You don't you don't really, and it was also never cold there. So, uh, whenever you're like your life revolves around it, it's a little more more complicated thing to do. It's a little different. I think the biggest thing we learned was like the value of the barter system and how it existed <laughs> so well. It's like a fundamental like part of the economy. For so long, because we had this neighborhood uh, text group, and the, there was stuff like I have, you know, two bananas, a lime, and a half a loaf of bread. You know, what what can I get out of that? You know, you trade it for like two eggs and you know a little bit of vodka and like you know a spare <laughs> Michelob Ultra somebody had in the bottom of their fridge or whatever. But I mean, the, the whole community thing was good. It was, I mean, we shared a lot of sarcastic memes, and then nobody ratted us out for flying to Cancun in our neighborhood text group too. So I appreciate that. <laughs> What was the best deal you made in the barter system? <laughs> the best deal we made? Uh, well, we found one neighbor who didn't like Tito's. And so she was willing, which, you know, obviously is the the lifeblood <laughs> of the Bentley house. And so she she traded us that for like two Trulies and a kombucha. All right. I like it was a pretty good deal. Spotted a weakness in the market there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, uh, yeah we had it was very nice to see how much the community kind of came together during all of this. We had neighbors sharing firewood with us, and we uh, were one of the only people in the neighborhood who had one of those like T post things that you use to turn the water off at the street. And so um, Ashley was going around all over town turning people's water off, or not over town, over the neighborhood turning people's water off for them. So it was really a really heartening thing to see that. And um, in that vein in the last episode, we mentioned some of the Austin FC players coming together to raise money for 
um, to, to help people out during the difficult times. And so we have an update to, to that, don't we, Jeremiah? Yeah, so they started, I think the original goal was like $5,000, and they hit that in the first 24 hours. And just look before we started recording, and they're up to 45000 so far in individual donations, which is really great considering they're not raising a lot of money you know, at a time, it's just a whole bunch of people coming through and contributing to the community. So that's, I mean, that's, that's really great to hear and good to see them doing that. I know, I know they like work with Waterloo, which is their water provider to get water donated. And I saw they had people out volunteering, um, I think in Southeast Austin at one of the, the centers. So they've really ingrained themselves in the community, uh, really well. Do you want to going back to the earlier topic? Do you want to share the, the firewood, collection uh strategy that your neighborhood has or is that <laughs> yeah be sure. like selling his business out i don't know <laughs> yeah this is another thing that i learned and maybe a, a side hustle i'm going to jump in on but my neighbor had just like mountains of firewood in his backyard and i was like tim where do you get all this firewood from and he's like oh if i see a tree that's fallen down in someone's yard I'll go and ask him if I can take care of it for him because he said that the companies that do that charge a lot of money. And so he essentially goes around and undercuts these companies and charges like half the price and then cuts up the firewood and is like, yeah, I'll haul this off for you. And then just takes it home and uses it for firewood. (laughs) (laughs) It's so smart. Yeah. He told told me, yeah, if you see if you ever see a tree falling down, let me know and I'll let you come along and help me out and you can take half the wood for for yourself. (laughs) I was like, all right, let's do it. I love that. that. Learning pioneer lifestyle from my neighbor, Tim. We're going old school for sure. (laughs) But I am very happy to, you know, have shorts weather and I went to hop squad and met some people and had the Zapatista, which is back on draft and I like this version of Austin in February better than last week's version <laughs> yeah. of Austin in February for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Um, one one more thing before we move on from from the community community outreach type of thing. Uh, do, do you want to tell our listeners what the money that the Austin FC players are raising is going toward? Yeah. So the money so it goes to the 4XEX Foundation. It'll be eventually donated to the Austin Area Urban League. I think it's like Love ATX, I believe is the name of the fund. Uh, and it's going directly back to helping members of the community in need. So it's very, it'll be like targeted specific um, individual benefits to help everybody get their houses in order and back on track and, you know, home repair. You've seen all the things, all the plumbing. It'd be a great time to be a plumber right now, you know, and all those other things that have, that have happened. And so that money will go to helping like individual recovery. All right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's again, that's really great to see those players kind of jumping in and helping the community before they've really even gotten a chance to to settle in themselves. So uh, I think we, I think we got a, a few, a few pretty good ones on the team. All for right. Sure. Are we ready to do it, Jeremiah? <laughs> Let's go for it. And I, I don't know exactly how we set this up. Um, you know, we talked last week, you had done that spreadsheet uh, and sort of looked at how much we had spent and projected what we'd spend on Tam and Gam and what we have left. And, you know, I think it's probably the most MLS of all um, roster mechanisms. I think, yeah. would, you, would you agree with that? I mean, it's, it's entirely unique to MLS and like foundational to how the roster rules work, but it's also probably the most confusing part of MLS. I mean, I was happy to learn after. So I told you before we started recording, I read a bunch of articles like every club has a fan group that's written an article about how Tam and Gam work. And they all seem to be sourced from the same place. Like somebody in 2018 wrote one article 
and they just all copy and paste it forward. But I mean, yeah, let's let's take a journey into the Wayback Machine to the David Beckham era, I believe. Yeah, and talk yeah. about let's, sort of how they came about and why, why it's important. Let's define a couple of terms real quick. So uh, we're, we're going to talk about salary budget, which is an important thing to know. We'll define that here in a second. And then GAM is general allocation money. TAM is targeted allocation money. So we'll probably just say GAM and TAM going forward, but know that that's what it means. Um, so to start off with, I think one thing to point out or to explain is why is this all so complicated? And it's not just because MLS decided that it should be complicated, although it seems that way sometimes. But the reason is that back in the day, there was just essentially a salary cap, kind of like how most American sports work, right? Just a salary cap. You can't spend more than this amount of money on your on your roster. Um, a man named David Beckham, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, came along. A lot of tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. Cool hair. Married to a singer. <laughs> uh, David Beckham comes along and wants to come to MLS and they're trying to get him to come to MLS, but there's one problem. He doesn't fit into this salary cap model that they have. And so if you've been paying, paying attention to MLS for any time at all, or even not really paying that much attention, you'll know the kind of the joke about MLS changes rules in order to make the LA galaxy happy. And so this was the first time, the first major time that they did this, right? So David Beckham comes along. He wants to go to LA. The Galaxy want to sign him, but they need to invent a rule to make it okay within their salary rules. And so that's how the designated player rule was created. Uh, and the designated player rule was essentially created to bring in bigger stars while keeping the overall spending in the league pretty low. And so that was kind of the first deviation from this this salary cap model. So the reason why it's gotten so complicated in the past, however many years, I don't, when did Beckham come? 2000, early, mid 2000, something like that. I was trying to look that up before you asked me that question and I am not there yet. Anyway, whenever he came. Mid 2000s. um, So between then and now, the league has essentially added various mechanisms to increase spending while still maintaining parity. And so you'll notice paying attention to MLS that MLS does a lot to maintain parity within the league. They don't want there to be this one powerhouse that wins every year. Uh, and they're, they're pretty good at it, but essentially by adding these mechanisms, they didn't have, didn't have to add kind of a counterbalance to make sure that it stays fair. And so all of these complicated rules are, are essentially to increase the amount of money a team can spend without giving them an unfair advantage over another team. Yeah. And they, but they all, and this, we've talked about a lot of these rules. I mean, they, they still ultimately benefit like the clubs that are going to, they're the most creative, right? They can use them the best. So, I mean, they, there's the opportunity to take advantage of if you choose to, I feel like, but it's kind of, it limits like that, how, how much that will happen. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like you, can, you, you can be smarter with it and spend more money and take better advantage of it, but like you're not just going to be able to write checks nonstop to it. So it still rewards smart teams and teams that are willing to be ambitious, which I think is an important thing that, that you see in a lot of these rules. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that was, so Beckham was the first DP. Um, and I, which we assume this is fairly well, well known, but each team has up to, 
three right now, which is not where it originally started, right? Was it just one? There was the just one place? to begin with, yeah. And then I'm not sure when when they upped it, but now it's three designated players is what you're allowed to have. Um, we'll get into a little bit more about designated players, but before we get into that, I think it's important to explain what the salary budget is. And so you've heard us say salary cap a few times now. Uh, the salary budget is, in simple terms, it's the salary cap. So it's the amount of money you're allowed to spend on player salaries. So the current MLS salary budget is $4.9 million. Um, you'll, If you do a, a quick bit of mental math, you'll realize that MLS teams pay their players way more than a total of $4.9 million. That's where allocation money comes in. Um, allocation money is essentially a tool to be able to make these these player salaries fit into the salary budget. We're going to try to explain that a bit more and make it make a bit more sense. Um, before moving on to that, we'll go back to designated players. And so uh, designated players and the maximum salary budget charge are important to understand as well. So we mentioned designated players. A team can pay up to three designated players as much money as they want to. And the salary budget will only reflect the maximum salary budget charge, which is $612,500. And so uh, if a regular player, just like an average salary player, will say uh, someone on the Austin FC roster, we'll say Kukuta Mane, probably making uh, around $300,000 a year, that fits well below that maximum budget charge. Um, so if we're paying him $300,000 a year, then on the, but the budget charge, it will appear as $300,000 a year, um, for a designated player, you can pay them as much as you want. So I think Carlos Vela is making something like $7 million a year. Yeah, he still yeah, Carlos, shows up. Carlos Vela and Josie Altador are both over six. Yeah. Right now. So he, each of those players only show up on that budget charge as $612,500. That's the maximum amount that any player will show up on the budget charge. Um, so that's another thing important to remember. We'll continue explaining and hopefully it'll all come back together. <laughs> okay. So we've got DPs and D well, we, we, we got Beckham was the first DP. Um, and, we can have up to three. And uh, so let's talk now about GAM, which I believe was the first additional mechanism beyond that that, the, that MLS came up with to, uh, to pay. I think there were a couple of others that don't exist anymore. I think GAM is the earliest one that is still being used. So again, like we mentioned, general allocation money is GAM. Each club receives an annual allotment of of GAM. It's and it's changes from year to year depending on what is stated in the CBA that year. For 2021, it's going to be 1.525 million dollars. So GAM is essentially extra money that can be used toward a player salary. So an example, a, a very overly simplified example that I'll give is let's say Austin FC has $200,000 left in the salary budget. They've spent all of the other money and they have $200,000 left. They want to sign Diego Fagundes as a free agent and his salary is $300,000. In 
In order to get Diego Fagundes to fit within the salary budget, they could use $100,000 of GAM to quote unquote buy down his salary to fit into that salary budget. And so buy down is a, is the term that MLS uses for this, this action. So you'll probably hear us say that again, but uh, you could essentially use that extra money to make Diego Fagundes fit into the salary budget. You might ask yourself, why not just increase the salary budget if that's what you're going to use it for anyway? The reason is that GAM can also be used in trades and for transfer fees. So um, using Austin FC players as an example, when Austin bought players like uh, Nick Lima, Julio Cascante, a few of these other guys that we, uh, I guess, traded for from within MLS, the thing that we were trading to the other teams was GAM. That's the the money. That's the the bartering piece that we were using to get those players. Um, so that normal salary budget money can't be used for things like that. You can't trade away your salary budget. You can use TAM to trade to trade and to get other players in. Yeah, and Austin uh, obviously effectively um, also acquired some of that in the uh, trade away of the. Was it the the greatest Austin FC player ever? Oh, Kamal Miller. Yeah, Kamal Miller. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, they t- yeah. they took him took him in the in the draft and then traded him immediately for Gam. Correct. Uh, yeah, it was Gam, and then the eleventh pick in the Super Draft, which I believe we got um, Freddie Kleeman. Freddie Kleeman, who's the one player? Uh, it's, I guess the one draftee we've signed so far too. Yeah, right. He's actually been signed to a contract it. so far. So. Yeah. Um, I'll, there's a few other ways that you can acquire GAM. I'll go through some of those briefly, but we're not not going to go into too much detail. So one of them is failing to qualify for the MLS playoffs. So again, promoting parity, if your team was bad, we'll give you a little bit of extra money. So hopefully you're not so bad next year. Um, by selling a player outside of MLS, uh, you can turn some of those profits into GAM that can then be reinvested into the team. Uh, also, again, by trading. So if you trade away a player, you can receive some GAM in in uh, in exchange for that player. Uh, also, qualifying for the CONCACAF Champions League gets you a little bit of extra GAM. Which so is a Austin, weird... That's a weird counter to the first point you just made. Yeah. If you're really good, we give you GAM. If you're really bad, we give you GAM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess it's parity. I guess it brings everybody back to the middle in some way, maybe. I'm not I'm not really sure. Yeah, I mean you, you still want to reward teams for trying, right? So yeah. it's like we're gonna reward you for trying, and then we're also going to try to give you a boost if you're not doing so hot. Um so yeah, I think that's probably the the intentions behind that. So Austin as an expansion team got an additional $2.5 million in GAM. So uh, every team gets an allotment. This year it's 1.525. Austin got some extra money for being an expansion team. So $2.5 million extra for just simply being an expansion team. There was also an undisclosed amount of money that was given as part of the expansion draft. Uh, and I think they called it expansion dilution, which... Essentially, because there were two expansion teams last year, there weren't as many teams. So anybody that had a player taken the year before was exempt from the draft this year. And so since there were fewer teams to choose from, the league decided to give us a little bit of extra money to kind of balance that out. I've never been able to find out how much money that was. I'm not seeing it written anywhere. They just said some extra gam. And that's all it said. So I have no idea how much that was. 
and I think I remember when we did that show that we guessed that it was like fifty k, but actually we found out that it was the re- the real thing is that it's if you have a player selected, yeah, you get fifty k, right? Is, Correct. Was the num- was the real number? I believe I saw um, a number from a previous expansion team that got like one point five million or something like that. So it could be higher like a few million even so but i have no idea honestly um i we talked about my my spreadsheet on the last episode i calculated that austin has somewhere between one and two million dollars in gam left um if depending on how much that expansion dilution money was it could be more than that but um i'm gonna guess between one and two million dollars um, so that money, again, like I said, can be used for transfer fees, can be used in trades, and then can also just be used to pay player salaries. All right. Uh, are, are you tired yet, Jeremiah? That's a lot. Uh, that's, <laughs> I mean, it's a lot to take in, but I mean, I think the big thing, I mean, these, these, these things have a name for a reason. So general allocation money, GAM, can be used for a lot of general purposes. I would love to see the ways that they devise exactly how much i mean that that calculation has got to be amazing you know like how much they how how much they get for each of the each of those components because yeah they're a little bit you know they seem a little bit random but i'm sure some kind of logic behind it i did read a this is an older i think it's a tenorio article that did talk about sort of how frustrating it is because if you're like a fan of the nba or mlb or nfl like you can go to the league's website and see like exactly where they are on the cap and what they spent and how much they have left and um you know and 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 find that out and know it um but you can't do that with MLS and I get do you think that just goes back to like the single entity thing I mean they're very yeah I think you know the books are very closed overall I think that's part of it like kind of protecting themselves but also I think in like in fairness to MLS the NBA isn't competing really with like within a worldwide market. And so if a team in Belgium knows exactly how much money uh, the LAFC have, and they're trying to negotiate this price and LAFC is trying to pay a lower price and they can figure out, I know exactly how much money you have left to spend. And so I want all of it. And so it can, it's kind of a disadvantage or could be a disadvantage in negotiations like that. If, if you're showing your cards that much, um, I, I, it is frustrating for fans though. I, I uh, whenever, um, I interviewed Tootle Ramen a while back, uh, he mentioned that he was, he talked about that saying like the amount of like nerds in American sports that get really into like that capology stuff and figuring out who has how much money left is immense. Like there's a lot of people who get really into that kind of thing. And you could probably bring more people into the league by making that, that stuff public because some people would get really into it. And I think, I mean, probably not as, as much as Tootle does, but I, I enjoy knowing that kind of thing. And so I think, I know I would like it. And I think there's a lot of people who would really enjoy kind of playing with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Everybody loves to be an armchair GM or or a sporting director, I guess. Yeah. To have to have to have the sport right. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like we have as much of an understanding as Gam of Gam as I will ever have, which probably means it's a good time to take a break. Yeah. Let's do it. So uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back to explain targeted allocation money. Money is round. 
Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you once again by our friends at FBF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. Yeah, we mentioned this last week, but I think it's worth uh, bringing up again. They recently won the Better, Better Business Bureau's 2020 Torch Award for ethics uh, in the category of Central Texas businesses between 21 and 40 employees. I bet they got a nice shiny trophy out of that, which is probably <laughs> pretty cool. Pretty cool for them, um, which is means a personal injury law firm won an award for ethics, which says a lot to the kind of people they are and how they're looking to uh, change the sort of perception and public trust um, around those firm, around the way people perceive those firms. And again, like if you've ever been to their website or read their stories or had the chance to talk to them, that really comes through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as we always say during the little ad break, FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community transparency and client education. And again, I think that rings true in seeing them win, win an award like this. So, uh, you can go to fvf.law to find out more about what makes FVF different and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fvf.law. All right, we are back. We're going to talk about targeted allocation money now. So here's what I know about it. General allocation money can be used for general purposes. <laughs> I will guess that targeted allocation money can be used for certain targeted activities. Is that correct? That's correct. That's actually a very simple way to think about it, and it's effective. So, yeah, GAM can be used for quite a few different things. We talked about using it for trades and um, uh, transfer fees and things like that. TAM can only be used for a pretty specific set of things. So... It, I, once again, just like GAM, it's allotted yearly. Um, in 2021, it's $2.8 million. And the primary purpose of TAM is to... So we had we had just like the normal players falling within that, that standard salary budget. And then you have your designated players who are making a ton of money. Uh, for a long time, there was this huge disparity in um, how much all these players were making. So like the highest paid players were making way more than, the, than even like the second highest paid players in the league. Uh, that's still true to an extent, but where, where why Tam was added was to kind of fill in those middle spots. So spots uh, four, five, and six kind of like, those are the areas where you're kind of beefing up the middle of your roster. And it was really to, to bring in players from outside of the league to fill those spots. So, um, I believe I'm not exactly sure how this part of it works, but I think the league has to approve who can be bought as a TAM player. Um, but it's it's pretty focused and it's a, a a specific kind of player that they're looking to bring in from outside of the league to to kind of raise the the overall talent level within the league. So a player that you're going to use TAM on has to earn more than the maximum salary budget charge, which again is six hundred and twelve thousand five hundred dollars. So that $612,500 is the DP threshold. If a player is making above that max budget charge uh, without doing anything, without using any of these other mechanisms, they would just be a designated player. Um, in this instance, you could use TAM to buy them down below that DP threshold. So a player who's 
making more money. Actually, we'll use a real life example. So an Austin FC player, Alex Ring, his salary is around a million dollars or was in 2019 anyway. We'll assume it's close to that. So we'll say a million just for ease. Um, Tam is being used by Austin FC to quote unquote buy down his salary budget charge below that max budget charge of $612,500. And so that's kind of the the main example of how TAM would be used. Um, so it, yeah, essentially allows you to buy, uh, to, to save that designated player spot for someone who will be more expensive. So we're going to assume that Cecilio Dominguez and Tomas Pochettino, who are our two designated players, are going to be making a little bit more money than Alex Ring. So we could give that third DP spot to Alex Ring, but we probably want to save it for someone who's going to be even more expensive than him, right? So that's why we decided to use Tam on Alex Ring by his budget or his uh, salary down below that max budget charge. And that saves that third DP spot that we're going to be using in the summer for someone more expensive than him. Yeah. And um, we talked about this a little bit last week, but how many Tam players do we usually see on an MLS roster? I Yeah, so I found an article, and I believe this was on MLS's website, that had a list of the TAM players from the 2019 season, and it looked like most teams had between four and six TAM players. Um, as far as I can tell, I think Alex Ring might be our only one so far. So there might be some others that, that um, I'm just not seeing right now for some reason or, or another, but I think Alex Ring's our only one, so... I calculated on my spreadsheet that Austin FC has between two and two and a half million dollars of TAM left. And so I would expect them to use that money um, to kind of fill in some of these these other spots in the roster uh, to, to kind of bring in some higher level talent that's not quite DP status, but um, will be serious uh, contributors during this first season. Yeah, and if you if you think about you know, the last Claudio interview was before Pochettino, but you know we thought we had four senior spots left, and so with some flexibility beyond that, and you know now we're down to three, but possibly more. So you think about you know a couple more Alex rings, is that a, a, is that a real possibility in terms of the money we have left? It seems like it would be. Yeah, I mean if you look at the list of Tam players from 2019, most of them are not as good as Alex Ring, <laughs> but. Some of them are better than Alex Ring. So uh, a player like Eduardo Tuesta for LAFC, I believe, is a TAM player. He's extremely good and is getting attention from Europe and will probably not be in MLS much longer. Um, so depending, it, it's again, you have to play your cards right and spend it wisely because there are some, some TAM players who are not very good and have not been playing very many minutes over the last couple of seasons. Um, so yeah, it, but if you if you play your cards right, like you said, get a couple more Alex rings on the roster and that, that, uh, Im- improves the roster greatly. Yeah, it would be. And one thing that's important to note, I think out of the 2020, uh, CBA, which is nice because I feel like every CBA MLS comes up with ways to make things more complicated is that there used to be, what was it? Mandatory TAM and discretionary TAM. It was and they yeah, were disc- separate discretionary and non-discretionary TAM. So at least we don't have to worry about that. We just have, I think the discretionary TAM. No, I, I don't remember. One of yeah. them went. One of them became GAM. Yeah, non-discretionary TAM essentially was rolled into GAM, um, 
And so instead of like forcing you to use this set of money for very specific purposes, they just made it gam and said, spend this money however you want. It doesn't matter. Um, and that's going to be a growing trend going forward in the, in the CBA is once. So it's kind of frozen for the next two or three seasons, right? After that point, once the, the incremental changes come into effect, TAM will actually go down. There's going to be less and less TAM each year and more and more GAM each year, which means that they're going to be giving these play, these teams more flexibility to spend this money however they want. There's the, it, so it's still money that they can spend, but the league isn't telling them who they can spend it on or how they can spend it. It's just spend it. And so they would be able to use, one would think they would be able to use GAM if, for the purposes that you can only use TAM for right now. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, it's essentially just freeing them up on who they can spend it on and how they can spend it. So I, I think that's good. That's a good thing for the league is less restrictions on that kind of spending. Yeah. So what does all this mean for Austin? Like, what do we, what do we expect from here forward that we might do with the remaining GAM and TAM? Yeah. So with that extra GAM, there's, there's quite a few things they could do with it, right? Like, it, it, I mean, some of it will have to be used just for the salary budget charge. So it'll be somewhere between zero and six hundred thousand dollars for the the next few players that they that they sign. The additional amounts of that could be used for uh, trades or transfer fees or something like that. So um, really, kind of anything with that gam. As far as the TAM goes, kind of like we were mentioning before, what I'm hoping they'll do is fill in a few key spots um, with some above average players uh, for the roster. Is there any spots on the roster that you would like to see them spin this in? I, I'm, I, I still think like either a nine or a right wing or like, I feel like we're one player short in the attack. And I feel like a nine, like a poaching number nine, you know, which is something that I think is we're missing a little bit. Like I feel like we have a lot of guys that can cause a lot of trouble in the attack and not a lot of like really strong finishing dependent on like if Danny Houston like returns to form or not. So that's something I would like to see is somebody can just like clean up stuff around the goal when, when our, our, our guys are making trouble for the other club. That would be something I would like to see us use some of that on, you know, if not, if not the third DP, but that seems like an effective use of it to me. How about you? Yeah. So would you want to see them, Spin, get a DP striker and a TAM striker? Is that what you're saying? Or are you saying use the DP so, spot somewhere else? I could use the DP sp- spot somewhere else and just use TAM on a striker. Like, I feel like that that skill set is something that exists maybe in greater supply that you could find somebody from the MLS like, you know, the classic Wando, Chicharito, although he's probably, obviously, you know, not not at this point, you know, but yeah. like somebody that can just do that, they can, they can finish because I just don't feel like we have a lot of that going on right now. And I yeah. think you could find that without having to buy a DP to do that. Yeah, I I think another place I would like to see them maybe go after some uh, or spend some of that TAM money is on the back line. Because um, there's a couple of spots, like right back, we don't really have a second string right back. I think on those uh, those spots that... Um, that Tom Bo- the the articles that Tom Boger and uh, Matt Doyle released over the past couple of weeks, kind of listing out the depth chart at each position. I think they had Hector Jimenez 
as our backup right back, but he's also like the third string left back and the third string left winger and the third string eight. And like, he's kind of the backup everywhere, but he's, he can like, I think he can play right back, but I don't know that that's necessarily his best position. So honestly, like a, a specific spot I'd like to see it is at left back. I think Ben sweat is a perfectly fine left back. Um, if you're going into a season with Ben Sweat starting at left back, that's fine. He's a solid player. But if you go into a season with Ben Le- Ben Sweat as your second string left back, then I think that's a significant upgrade. And like having a guy like Ben Sweat on the bench to to rotate in is a a pretty good thing to have. So if you didn't have Ben Sweat starting every match at left back, does he have positional flexibility too? Because I know there's a little bit of concern around enough depth in the middle. Could he play center back too? I think he has before. And I think he even played like in a back three some as like that left center back. I don't think he would do a better job at center back than any of the other guys we have there, but I think he could do it in a pinch. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. And we've, we've got uh, Aiden Stanley as well, who was taken in the super draft. Uh, but who knows if he's actually even ready to contribute at an MLS level. We'll have to wait and see what Wolf thinks of him in preseason. But um, but yeah, I think there's definitely... And then maybe even at center back, like really we've got four center backs, one of them being Freddie Kleeman, that, um, that super draft pick. If we bring in another TAM player to back up Beasler or to even like rotate with Beasler at that left center back position, then we've got four pretty decent to very good center backs, like all to rotate in and out. So that might even be a good place or someone who can do both of those things that can play center back and left back. Uh, another spot is, that would be good to have that kind of flexibility. Another spot that I don't know if we would use Tam money here, but we don't have any backup sixes. (laughs) We have, I think absolutely zero players behind Alex ring that would be able to play six comfortably. I think like Pochettino could play there. Um, some other guys could play there, but I don't think any of them would fit in there naturally and like be really comfortable and happy playing as a straight up number six. So I think that's another place they need to kind of increase the depth and would maybe spend some of that money to do that. I saw, uh, mentioning backup number six, uh, Jeff Lorenowitz was floated, I saw that. I think Matt Doyle mentioned it on the, on the extra time last week, but I would be pretty happy with that. It's a guy who is a great leader, a really solid locker room presence and is not going to expect to play a lot of minutes. Um, Alex ring like historically hasn't missed much time. And so bringing a guy like Lorenowitz just to be another super solid dude in the locker room and then play a game here and there, play a few minutes. I think that would be a pretty, pretty great pickup. Yeah, what did Wellhausen ask you on Twitter? Like, how many team captains you needed? Yeah, I want all of the captains. All of them. All of them. We have, like, four or five guys who were captains or, like, rotational captains on their last team. I want more. I want all of them to be captains. (laughs) All right, do we think we uh, explained Gam and Tam enough for today? (laughs) I feel like we've spent enough time on it. Uh, I think you said early on you didn't want to make it an economics lesson. Yeah. And... This is one where we could really use some support from like, if you follow us on Twitter or, you know, see this in Slack or on Reddit or wherever, like, let us know if we hit the mark and if there's anything else that's confusing. Yeah. I'm sure we'd be happy to do our best to try to clarify it. 
Absolutely. Come to us with other questions um, because we, and however hard this may be to believe, we actually left some stuff out. It's like way more complicated than how, than what we just explained, but uh, it's just torture trying to explain all of that or even to understand it well enough to explain it to someone else. So um, I think this was a good starting spot, but like Jeremiah said, get at us on Twitter, on Reddit, wherever, find us. And if you have any more questions or just want to talk about it, yeah, get at us and we'll, we'll be happy to do that. All right. Uh, staying on the trend of, uh, of weird roster initiatives. We mentioned on the last episode, the U22 initiative, um, lovingly named Young Money by Paul Tenorio and Sam Stage School. So uh, Anthony Precourt actually confirmed that Rodney Redes will be, will fall under the U22 initiative, uh, which was, we kind of expected it, but it, it wasn't confirmed until uh, February 19th when Anthony Precourt uh, quote tweeted an athletic article from Sam State School kind of explaining that initiative. Yeah, I think we should take a moment to just appreciate that, that that's how we're finding out about things like this right now is the team owner quote tweeting in a writer yeah. from The Athletic <laughs> about officially confirming. And as far as I know, he's, I mean, it was the first one, I think, that anybody had officially confirmed. And yeah, I think so. Via tweet, yep. Um, so there's a couple points, I think, in here that that kind of show why it's interesting. I mean, one... Um, is that we believe that his transfer fee was $2.75 million, which would usually result in the use of a designated player spot, um, which we, we talked about before we started recording. Like maybe we should have thought about that uh, in advance since he's been around and we know he was going to spend that money or it was going to cost that much money. Yeah, I, I feel kind of silly for not really putting that together before because uh, one of the bits that we didn't get into in explaining Gam and Tam is that the transfer fee is actually calculated into how much a player's uh, budget charge is. And so with a, a transfer fee of 2.75 million, that would normally put a player in under most circumstances above that DP threshold. But you never heard anybody saying that Rodney Redes was a designated player. And this is why is because they knew this initiative was coming up the, up the pipe and we're going to be able to use him as that. So um, what is, what does that mean? Like, why is this significant for Austin FC's roster build? I think one that it gives us the other spot. I think it was um, the other thing that the reason that that fee is in that's important is because that keeps people from gaming the fee versus the salary in order to be able to like weasel in extra players, you know, um, that to make them not DPs just with what they're doing. But you know, for the Austin FC roster, it means we have another spot open, and then. Um, importantly, because of the U22 rules, he's only going to count either 150000 or 200000 against the salary budget, regardless of what we actually pay them, which opens up a ton of uh, flexibility for us elsewhere in the roster and lets us spend some more money. And then also with his age, he's what? He's still, he just had a birthday. He turned on 21. Instagram. He just turned 21, 21 a few yeah. days ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so he's turned 20. Th this rule allows you to, to keep that roster mechanism in place for a player until they're 25. And so even though it's the U22 initiative, I imagine his contract goes until he's like 23 or 24 and we get to, to keep that that mechanism in place on him and only count towards the salary budget as 150K or 200K until he turns 25, which is another really big, big score for Austin FC as far as uh, how much money they, they're going to have to spend. Yeah. And, ha and as a follow-up, happy birthday to Rodney. It looked like he had a wonderful <laughs> yeah. dinner. Somewhere in the domain with uh, 
It was Romagna and Dominguez, and I think two guys that work for the club who were the other two, but I saw the, the five of them together out of dinner, so good for him. <laughs> Happy birthday, Rodney. All right. Is there uh, any other any other torture we want to put our listeners through before we wrap up, Jeremiah? No, I think that's. I think we've done enough for one night. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, we would like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. We also want to ask you to visit the Striker Texas website, and you can find uh, all kinds of great articles about Austin FC as well as uh, youth soccer, the other Texas teams, anything that's soccer in Texas happening. You can find it there. Um, if, uh, like we mentioned before, we want to continue the conversation or ask us more questions, find us on Twitter. We're always happy to do that. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening to this week's episode. We're going to get back on our normal rotation. So this episode is being released on a Wednesday because last week's was on a Thursday. We're hoping to get back on our normal rotation next week and release it on a Tuesday and then hopefully continue to do that. So, um, next week. Who's our guest next week, Jeremiah? Next week, we're going to start. This is another thing that we heard when we asked for sort of the MLS 101 questions, but people said they wanted to hear a little bit more about the teams we would play the most often, the other clubs in the state. So we're going to talk to John Arnold, who covers FC Dallas for a variety of outlets, including the Striker Texas, um, and also is one of the co-hosts of the Striker Texas podcast. So we'll talk to him about FC Dallas and kind of their history and an overview and you know, what, what Austin FC fans should know about the club uh, just up I-35. All right. Yeah. So we'll be back in just under a week. Until then, my name is Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll get you next time.